and welcome to the Company Watch On The Spot podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Good morning, Joe. We are recording today's episode on Thursday, the 10th of March in the morning. As I think we, we had to do last week, there's a little bit of a caveat about fast moving news and so on. And I think just before we recorded, we got some news about more sanctions um, being imposed on various um oligarchs in the UK. So no, we're recording this about half past 10 in the morning. Um, and that's and that's what we currently currently know. So the topic for this week continues to be Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, um, and the kind of rippling impact that's happening um, in the UK and beyond. Um, and in particular, looking at some of the, the measures that the UK government are trying to take to to tighten up what I think has been fair to say has been a fairly lax approach to the flows of, of money coming in from, from Russia and elsewhere over the, the past kind of 10, probably longer years, to be honest. Um, so we'll look at a little bit at the Economic um, Crime Transparency and Enforcement Bill and the white paper um, that has been published on Companies House Reform. Um, and then there's, there's there has been some interesting commentary which Nick has really been picking up on on some of the wide impacts um, on, on what could happen with the, the situation in, in Ukraine and how that will hit um, UK finances. So let's let's start then with the um, with the, the Russia, Ukraine, Belarus ripple impact into um, companies in the UK. Something that we've been asked for quite a lot over the last week or so is to have a little bit of visibility on where those connections Oh, now, most of our listeners will know we are a specialist in UK company information. So we've 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 put together a few reports um, for clients looking at um, group structure, PSE, director um, information, where there is a Russian um, or Belarusian connection by nationality. And again, this is nationality is registered at, at company's house, um, and we're looking at that that kind of UK um, UK perspective. And we've also looked at where within the um, where there are companies that have got a Russian or Belarusian officer within the group structure as, as well. So there's kind of the multiple layers of linkages to, to look at. Um, and that is, I think, helping to, to try to, to get companies to understand their potential exposure. And, and let's be clear that not, you know, there's not any means by which these people have all been sanctioned or these companies have all been sanctioned. You know, that's not the point. I think the point really is to help people understand those, those linkages that aren't always necessarily obvious and to kind of be looking to see reputationally um, and also potentially if there are moves afoot, you know, the UK have been slow to, um, to apply the wide ranging sanctions that we've maybe seen in the US and the EU um, to, to start managing that risk. And that's certainly what we, um, we're doing at, at Company Watch as well. And I think, you know, that leads on, doesn't it, Nick? I think you had a um, an interesting anecdote. So we've been concentrating on Russia and, and, and Belarus, but you had some interesting points, didn't you, on Cyprus? <clears throat> well, when we, well, when we well, yes, I mean, Joe and I were talking about this before we recorded, and, and I sort of lobbed a little um, uh, hand grenade into the conversation and said, um, have you looked at Cyprus? Because there was a very interesting... Um, uh, 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 one of these wonderful, succinct uh, descriptions on social media a couple of days ago um, that, that described Cyprus as a gigantic Russian bank masquerading as an EU state. And, and funny enough, I can sort of confirm that um, because um, many moons ago, I uh, created and ran the what turned into the biggest um, 
network of independent uh, business rescue and insolvency firms um, around the globe. And uh, we had a particularly sparky young um, accountant member in Cyprus, and I took the opportunity to go and see him. And he um, sort of made my trip worthwhile, or so he thought, by introducing me to a couple of his connections in the banking community in Cyprus, um, uh, representing um, you know quite big Cypriot banks. Um, and obviously we're talking on the Greek side here, mm-hmm. not the Turkish side. Yep. And on both occasions, when I went to meet them with him, the um, bank official I met was Russian, which was a bit of an eye-opener. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think Cyprus was, was one of the leading um, places to, to offer these golden visas, which now yes, have been stopped in the, in the UK. Yes, um, it was. That, and, 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 that, and that's coming. not to denigrate Cyprus. Or the or the banking system entirely there, but it's the old thing of um, knowing where the ripples go, mm. and um, you know the chances are if there's if there's a uh, if you've got a connection that's got a major operation that is funded by a Cypriot bank, the chances are there's a Russian involvement somewhere. Mm. Chances yeah, are. I mean that's certainly, and it's and I think that is quite an interesting um, point to, to lead on to because of course we're looking at at information that's available from companies' house. Essentially, and we we know that there is a, a big problem in finding really the truth behind some of these very complex um, structures that have lots of overseas um, entities, either you know PSC shell companies, whatever that might be. There 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 are lots of there are lots of ways in which really what's going on can be obscured by the information that is actually available at company's house. And so, you know, we're, we're working within the, within the bounds of the the possible. And I suppose, you know, that, that is one of the the key drivers for, for the pressure that's being brought to bear at the moment on the the government to, to bring forward company's house reform. And if we, if we turn to the economic crime bill, this transparency and enforcement bill that has, is the first part, you know, there's, there's, there's going to be two parts of this um, economic crime action and this really is about um the register of overseas entities which i think we've talked about before yes we you have. know if people can remember back in the end of january beginning of february when lord agnew resigned because of the what he said was the failure of the government to act on on economic um crime and around about the same time the treasury um select committee published a, a paper on economic crime and their key recommendation was to bring forward this register of overseas entities um and the beneficial owners so this is essentially the requirement for overseas entities who own land to register um who is the the owner but it is certain circumstances and that i think is where we're we're finding the the problems in this bill that actually on the at a high level it looks very impressive but it as always the devil is in the detail and there's a there's a pretty good article in the guardian by oliver below he's Hello. not um <laughs> not known to be a big fan of the um the government saying you know picking picking holes in this um legislation quite rightly actually i think you know nick and i've read what what he said and it is true you know we know that there's a problem with pse um register for example that if you're under a certain percentage you know if you've got five um five people who have own 20 percent each there's no pse there so there's no requirement to, to register and i think the same problem is being um put through Yes, and I thought um, Oliver Bullough's classic comment that actually made me giggle, in, you know, even in these in these awful times, made me giggle when he said, and of course, 
if you can't find um, a, a bureaucratic way round um, telling the truth in this newfangled register, the answer is you just lie. <laughs> and as he said, the um, the Putin um, regime is not exactly closely wedded to the truth. And that is why it's so important. The company's house reform part yes. of this is so important because, as we have said time and again, companies have to not have the powers to reject information mm. and query information that's filed um, to it. And, and I was looking at some of the debates on Monday. There was a quite a long session on Monday in the Commons on the Economic um, Crime Bill. And one of the amendments that was um, proposed was that the government, after this, um, you know, I think to get around this, this fear that the economic crime bill won't have two parts that come very quickly on top of each other, but the, the second part will, will be delayed. And there was a amendment put forward that the, um, the company's house reforms would have to be published and start their journey through Parliament within 28 days of this first um, economic crime um, act being passed. And sadly, that was, um, that was not, uh, not carried. So, you know, I, I, there is, there is wide ranging um, companies' house reforms, and there's a yet another white paper we've had. So we've had, I think, four consultations. We know that that Bayes were um, really drafting the legislation in the autumn with a view to it coming forward early on this year. So really, you know, we feel it's it's done. And the white paper, you know, says lots of good things, but you do wonder why we need yet another white paper and not just the um, the legislation. And you know, I think that. That there will be, there will be loopholes. You know, this as the first economic crime bill is is showing, there will be loopholes. But I think the key thing is to get some legislation to make sure that you understand where the um, the problems are at the moment, which are that companies, um, the company's house doesn't have enough powers, and that lots of um, lots of changes require primary legislation. As long as you give enough powers and require changes to have to be secondary legislation, so statutory instrument type um, type procedure rather than primary legislation, that would be a really good step to get something um, in I, place. I, Joe, I, I, I agree. Um, I, two comments about all of that. The first one is, of course, economic, economic crime bill, absolutely brilliant. Companies house reform, absolutely brilliant. Where are the resources and where's the funding for, the, for, for enforcing? But setting that to one side, actually, this is you know, um, a good thing because what you're doing is shifting the dial in the minds of the people who take advantage of lax systems. And with any luck, unless they're completely brazen, and some of these people are, of course, the answer is maybe, maybe we'll stop being the uh, laundromat of choice you know, the jurisdiction of choice mm. for all this dirty money, and it'll go somewhere else. Now, mm. I know you're only displacing the problem, but we could do without it here. But um, it's not, I think, you know, it comes comes to this point about confidence and, and business. And, and there are kind of two sides to this, aren't they? So there is the that, that kind of dirty money and the, the mm. using of, uh, of structures to obscure um, provenance and so on. But there's also the, you know, if you can't trust, if, if fundamentally you, you, you're kind of, struggling to trust all the information at company's house and there's not enough of it you know some of the one of the really good um points in the in the white paper which is something that that credit reference agencies have pushed for is to have more information on small companies for example yes. so you know the one of the um one of the points in the in the in the white paper is that 
small companies and micro entities will have to file a, a P&L. Um, and that will make a big difference to be able to see, you know, how a company is actually um, doing. But it's got to be accompanied by the fact that it's got to be there's got to be some verification. <laughs> you, know, yes. um, you know, there has to be there has to be that. But but once you have more confidence in the data and the decisions that you can make, that will drive growth. You know, that will that will allow people, I think. And, and you know, we're in a we're in a situation I think we'll come on to, Nick, where economic growth needs to come from we need to find ways of of increasing economic growth and being able to give people a bit more certainty about the 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 data on which they're making decisions will surely help indeed indeed shall I, shall we talk about the uh, the numbers let's have let's yeah because the trouble is we can we, we can rant and and tear our hair about company's house reform until we're blue in the face the answer is it'll happen when it happen when it'll happen and hopefully it will be effective um Tuesday uh, this week, two days ago, uh, the Centre for Business and Economic Research, CEBR, published a warning about the impact of the Ukraine war, and I will call it a war, um, uh, basically warning that um, they estimate that GDP growth in the UK will now be more than halved. So they think it will come down from the previous forecast of 4.2% mm-hmm. to 1.9%. They also expect inflation to hit 8.7% in Q2 and for disposable incomes to fall by 4.8% in 2022. Wow. Largest drop since records began in 1955. And they actually, uh, uh, you know, they, those figures for statistical nerds like us are scary enough, mm. but they then put the scariest of all numbers on it. They actually sort of said, and this is what it means in overall economic terms, and I quote from their um, uh, from their press release, the forecast fall in living standards this year is an estimated £71 billion. Wow which amounts to £2,553 per household. However, That's an astonishing number, isn't it? First of all, that is terrifying because that is um, money that cannot be spent in the economy. Mm. So no wonder GDP is going to halve. Um, and, and actually, when you look at what could happen if the government doesn't protect households, with energy prices, 2,553 doesn't sound like an awful lot, because if energy prices per household are going to be three grand, the cap is going to be three grand in the autumn, and that's up from 700 and something, 790 um, last year, and actually, um, let's not let's not forget that's not an actual is the average spend. So actually, spend yeah. could be much higher than that potentially. You know, uh, if we have yeah, a particularly uh, cold winter or whatever. And so that's the whole. That's most of the two thousand five hundred mm. gone in gone in in increased energy prices. Um, although obviously it'll it, it, you know there's a timing issue, but let's not get into that. So that's something uh, that that's sort of a fairly grim background. And then I think it was yesterday, the boss of the UK's biggest poultry producer, two sisters, um, went on, I think, 
probably Radio 4, um, on the same programme and said that he thought food inflation this year will hit somewhere between 10 and 15 percent. And he, he, you know, of course, talked about chickens, and so the biggest chicken producer. And he said, um, and he pointed out, wheat feed accounts for 60 percent of the cost of growing chicken. And uh, Ukraine and Russia provide 29 percent of the world's wheat. And none of that is coming. Yeah. On there, and chicken prices, starter prices, really fifty percent um, more expensive than last year. So, yeah, so it's pretty um, grim. I mean, and it's worth remembering. I mean, this is coming on top of inflation that we were expecting anyway. You know, even without yes. the um, the Russian war um, in Ukraine, the, the the inflation expectation was to peak in April. I think wasn't it? Um, we were yes. we were kind of looking at seven seven or eight percent um by april so that that really is just kind of as you, you were saying it's just this kind of upward spiral um you know bad news piling on and um and yeah. amplifying the the impact yes and you got the the head of vw this morning quoted in the ft this is herbert Dees, predicting that the economic damage from the ukraine war could because you know trouble is we don't know how quickly this ends and we don't know how it ends but it could be worse than the pandemic. And of course, the trouble is it comes on top of the pandemic. Mm. You know, it really is, you know, the two, the two events almost happening at the same time, but not quite on, on, on that. So, uh, you know, we, we, it's a much overused phrase, but boy, oh boy, are we in uncharted waters here. And Joe and I were joking about how on earth is the MPC next week going to come up with an inflation forecast and um you know not much not much good sticking your you know licking your finger and sticking it in the air when there's uh, when there's a force nine gale blowing through the room um, yeah and when we were expecting you know all, all other things being equal we were expecting infl- um, interest rates to to go up and, and you said the fed is is kind of sticking to that that course yeah. of rising interest rates but you know clearly any any rise and although they're independent bank of england's gonna be mindful that um that increasing rates increases of the government borrowing costs at a time when the government's under pressure to, to as you say help help households so it's going to be certainly interesting to read um read the notes of what happens next week yes i mean and not least joe because um you know, again as we discussed uh, earlier um what exact impact does anybody think increasing interest rates is going to have is going to have on this sort of inflation? Because it's not really this is not an, an interest rate driven issue. It's it's, it's all no, around. It, no, it's not a it's not a, it's not demand. Demand, it's, no. It's certainly supply driven. That's mm. for sure. That's for sure. So, um, and 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 as a as a last throwaway comment, I couldn't I couldn't resist in these times of trouble. The um, NFU deputy president felt that um felt the need to major in a in an interview um today uh, about the fact that the cost of tomato production had gone up by 40 percent <laughs> so there may not be that many tomatoes in the um uh, and of course I don't think you can freeze tomatoes can you so stockpiling is not not a whole lot no, of <laughs> lots of tomato sauce perhaps but oh, yeah I mean yeah. it's it really is um as you say pretty um unprecedented times I thought you know when we started this podcast um back in March April 2020 I thought that was the kind of once in a lifetime event but we seem to be having 
lots of these once in a lifetime events all, all coming coming together. Indeed. So Nick, thanks so much um, for joining me today. Thanks Pleasure everybody for <laughs> thank you. Thanks for everybody for listening. Until next time, goodbye.